If you have your Bibles, I am turning to the book of Psalms. We're going to be looking 131 of Psalms. I suggested in the early service today that if, if you ever wanted to tell someone they ask you know much about the Bible and, and you'd like to just prove how much you know, say, of course I do. I can, I can quote entire chapters. You, you can quote entire chapters from, from memory? Absolutely. Uh, consider Psalms 131. I mean, it's three verses. Come on, we can, we can do that. We, we could knock that out, Matt. We could join the Bible quiz. Do they have an over-the-hill Bible, Bible quizzing? Do they, do they, Karen? It's over the hill. When, when do they compete? A Saturday morning's over coffee or what? <laughs> there, there is a, uh, there are chapters in the Bible that uh, are not quite as lengthy as others, and and one thirty one of Psalms happens to be one of those. Now, if you strike out to memorize one nineteen Psalms one nineteen, it may take you a little while, seeing that is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. But if you want to knock one out. Try 131, but but for your listening pleasure today, we're I'm not going to extend this long text out of 131. I'm just going to read verse 3. Just one simple verse. It says this, Let Israel hope in the Lord. I love this because it, 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 it holds such importance and weight. David just says, as a part of one of his songs, let Israel hope in the Lord. And I think this next part is what really gets my attention. He said, from henceforth and forever. It's as though he was trying to make some kind of defining remark or line in the sand that he would say, no matter what transpired previously, no matter what you encountered or what may be going on in your life. He said, from henceforth or from right now and forever, put your hope in the Lord. I mean, we, we, I would say for all of us, there have been times that, that we failed in that endeavor. We did not get it exactly right. We, we put our hope in a lot of other things and a lot of other people and and we were left empty. We were left holding the bag and we were just... But David said, let me just clear the record and say, no matter the past, from henceforth, from right now, from this moment, from this time and forever, not, not just today, not just tomorrow or next week or, or a month from now or, or possibly a year. He said forever. Just establish this in your mind and heart and spirit. Put your hope in the Lord. Amen. I want to talk to you for just a little while about the response of hope. And everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for Standing. Amen. It's a brief yet powerful scripture that that I chose today for our text. And it may take me just a few minutes to 
to unpack some of this, but I encourage you to hold on because I'm not sure if you have considered where we will go uh, like I will present it at least today. Depression. I talked a little bit last week about how so many people feel overwhelmed and are buried in life circumstances and and situations, and I did not spend time talking specifically about a a part of that, and and a great part, probably the the most uh, obvious part of this that, that we're living in today is people are suffering with depression like never before. I say that like never before loosely, but I say it for emphasis and for uh, getting your attention. Anxiety, anxiety. So many people deal with anxiety. Uh, Pharmaceutical companies are growing exponentially in in areas of uh, to treat things like this. Uh, medications that are being prescribed just like Tic Tacs or, or pet di- di- dispensers is just show up, oh, you need this, oh, you need that. And, and, and it's just on and on and on, on it goes. And to say that is, it is an epidemic, depression and anxiety and things of this nature, to say it is an epidemic in today's society would be a severe understatement. It, it is an epidemic. It's not just something that is uh, coming and leaving all on the same train. It, it comes to stay. And it's year-round, and it's uh, Sunday through Saturday, and it's every hour of the day. It's not just seasonal. It's not allergies. It's not things that uh, are easily treated and are uh, only when things are in bloom. It's the pollen. We, we, we look at the index to see what is the, well, depre- the depression index and the depression and anxiety index is, is out the roof every day of every week of every month of every year in the day we're living in right now. Amen. It, 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 is, it is the reality of what many people are facing. How many knows that's the truth? If you haven't dealt with it personally, uh, no doubt you've dealt with it with a loved one or someone that you're close to. Maybe it's not the thing that that seems to show up in your life uh, continually, but you do know people and you have dealt with people and you interact with people that this is really what they are facing day in and and day out. And and there isn't a place of society that it hasn't reached. It it doesn't really uh, matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter the lack of funds that you have. It does not matter the level of education education that you have achieved or if there is none at all. It doesn't matter your name, where you come from, what part of the country, uh, when you were born. It is crossing all lines and all barriers and there's not one part of or place in society that it has not reached. The overwhelming feelings and thoughts of simply this, things will never 
change. If you unpack it all and you look at the bottom and root cause uh, many times, you will find, if not in every situation, that there is this feeling and thought, it's overwhelming, that what I'm facing right now, what I'm going through right now, what I'm encountering right now, will never change. And because it will never change the thought of one day, one week, one month, one year from now being exactly the way it is, nothing will ever change. Anxiety begins to rise. Depression sets in because there's no way out. There's no way through. There's no way over it. It will always be the way it is right now. Nothing is ever going to alter that. And because of this feeling and thought of there being no potential or possibility of change, then it is depression and anxiety as the byproduct of the day. It's not changing. Nothing's ever going to get better. So we, we hear things and we are introduced to things and it really uh, crosses through a lot of different segments of, of life when it comes to your health, when it comes to your physical well-being, when it comes to your diet, when it comes to your political affiliations. It's, it's, it's everywhere. All a company has to do, all that an individual has to do, all that someone has to do to get your attention and get you on board with whatever it is they are presenting, whatever they are producing, whatever they're providing, is they just simply have to say this. Change. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter their past. It doesn't matter what they stand on. It doesn't matter their experience. It doesn't matter their. If they just say, this will help you change. It will help you change physically. It, you will feel better. You will think different. You will, whatever, change causes people to get on the bandwagon, even if they do not agree with everything else that that individual or company represents. It's just, it's just changed because someone is offering me the potential of change. I just say yes. And that's along with the depression and along with the anxiety and along with all of that other stuff. In today's world, all you have to do is convince people this will bring a change in your life. This will change your situation. This will, for whatever, and you know what happens? People get their billfold out, they get their credit card out, they get their checkbook out, they do whatever they have to do and say, yes, 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 I'll buy it. What, why is that? Because people are tired of looking the way they look, feeling the way that they feel, aligning themselves with things. And, and I just want change. And because someone is offering change, I say yes. Okay. It's, it's, it sounds good. Let's, let's do that. Let's, let's get on board. Change. This desire to change many times, when the change doesn't happen, or when it isn't produced, then automatically we spiral back into even a deeper depression and even a heavier 
sense of anxiety. So they promised this, but they didn't deliver. And because it wasn't delivered, then there really is no hope because this was the one shot that I had. And then it's heavier and it's lonelier and it's darker and it's more confusing. And and this, well, I tried that and I tried that and I went there and I invested in that and I put my time in and and, and I'm in no better shape now and and I'm thinking no different today. And, And so there must be no answer at all. And so then, now you can see kind of where we are as a society that in, 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 in a real sense, we're imploding because all of the things that have been offered haven't been delivered on. And when things are not delivered on, it causes us to lose even more confidence in what someone would say. Does anybody know? Do you know what I'm talking about today? You know, and 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 it's it's it takes explanation, but it should not take a lot of explanation. It's it's just this that I want to say today. We sometimes feel like when all of this is going on, that we're alone in our situation, and nobody else really gets it. (laughs) Nobody else really understands the level of pain that I have. No one really gets the, the confusion that I'm dealing with. No one really understands how heavy the load is. You're quiet because I'm talking to some of you right now. We feel single in that. We feel isolated in that. We feel alone in that. And we began to detach. We detach from friendships. We detach from conversations that could uh, uh, cause that anxiety to be awakened. And we, we separate ourselves and, and we're lonely. Not just, not just alone, but we be, we're lonely now. Because we're cutting everybody and every lifeline off, an outlet in our life. And, and now we're tucked away in our home in a dark room and we're laying on a bed not wanting to talk to anybody because that's the only way I can get through where I am. Because I realize while everybody else is living this make-believe life that I'm seeing on social media and it looks like, oh man, they're traveling the world and everything's great. Here I am stuck in my back room laying on a bed and there by myself. And if I try to tell anybody what's going on, they're just going to think I'm crazy because I'm living in an Ozzy and Harriet world and my three sons and leave it to Beaver. And here I am in that day. And it's not happening like that. Everything's busted up and everything's broken and everything is falling apart and nothing's working out. And so what happens? It's not changing, not getting better. It's never going to change. Now I'm depressed. Now when I do venture out of that occasionally, anxiety. Can't be around people, can't be around crowds, can't be. I'm like, really? You can't? There's something deeper here. Because he made us social. He he made us to interact. He he designed us to converse. He designed us to he said, he said, he said, go all the way back to the original individual. 
Not the in, the original couple. Just go back to the original individual. And he said, it is not good for him to be alone. So when you say, I just need to be by myself. I just need to be alone. I just need to get away. I just need to think. No, don't, don't misread it here. I just need to think. I just need to. He said, it is not good. Well, people just have to understand, I'm not social, I don't like crowds, I can't be around people. Man, I've got a long way to go to get to where I want to get today. But I'm right here because I'm talking to somebody. When you think you're alone in this dilemma, let pastor tell you, think again. You're not alone. You're not the only one facing that presently. Nor are you the only one or collective. We are the only ones that have ever gone through seasons like this or times like this or days like this in, in history. Because when you study a little bit of biblical history, you find that it will reveal similar, uh, a similar time. And here's, here's how I bring this to you. Israel as a people had gone through hardship after hardship and trial after trial. Never uh, just uh, ongoing, uh, uh, secure independence, if you will. They, they, they were free and then they were in bondage. And then they were let go and they were in slavery. And then they were in power and then they lost it all. And then they were in control and then they had no control at all. You say, well, does anybody know what it's like to be out of control? Yes. Does anybody know what it's like to be a slave? Yes. Does anybody know what it's like to just feel like you can't make your own decision than someone else? Go read the Bible. Go read through the Old Testament and you will see that they were up and down and things were great in moments and not so good at other times. And, and, and Israel, their times and their history were, were equally devastating. That's why I think if we would have the time today, we could go back to Psalms 131, read that chapter again, read what was going on around it, and understand a little bit better why David was saying, henceforth, at least from this time, he was trying to say, yes, yesterday was up and down. Yesterday was heavy, and and you didn't know how you were getting through it, but but time and time again, we read in the Scripture where God showed up, where God came through, where God parted waters, and He opened prison doors, and He caused control to be broken, and how He brings giants down, and He caused this life to come again to people that are feeling like there is no way through this. I mean, He does things in Scripture like takes the the burn out of the flame. Who does that? God. Who, Who steps in when they say, you're the one that's causing all of this storm. We're throwing you overboard. And when they throw you in the water, God sends a great fish to swallow you up. I don't want you to drown. I just want to get your attention. Sometimes we think God wants to kill us. He's not wanting to kill us. He just wants to get our attention. And so he sends a, a, a cruise liner to pick to pick old Jonah up. 
And, and what's interesting is it took the man three days, three days in that place before. See, you think three days of a fast this week is just going to be horrible. Spend three days in the gut of a big fish. Tell me how horrible life is. That's fasting. I mean, <laughs> and you read his story. He decides to pray after three days. I think I, when, when, I, when they were throwing me over, I, I believe, I, I would like to think that I would be saying, Oh, God, right now! And I, I'm sorry. No, three days later, and he's in... in <laughs> you go through that, and you see when times look like they would never change, when situations look like it would never turn... God stepped in and he caused manna to fall out of heaven and quail to end up on the ground. And he would cause armies by the hundreds of thousands to bow and fall. He would send forth praisers and worshipers. And at the sound of praise and worship, entire armies would turn against one another. He, he, he would take men with, with the pitcher and a lamp and a trumpet and crying out, 300. Men with Gideon off of a mountainside to defeat an army of Midian that was more than 150,000 people. See, when life looks like it'll never change, when we say, well, I've not, nobody's ever faced. Really? Nobody's ever gone through. Nobody's ever encountered this. No one's ever been. Well, go read the Bible again. Because in their situation, and I've got to build this for a moment, you have those stories, but you also have Malachi, which ends the Old Covenant. And there are approximately 400 years of what we call silence. We say silence because we do not have in the biblical canonization of it all, history of things that transpired there like we do other. Do I think God was completely silent during that time? Not necessarily, because if he ever goes truly silent, the sun stops shining and the stars stop glowing and the earth stops spinning and gravity stops working and grass discontinues its growth process and birds don't fly and fish don't swim because all of that is living and going forth at the spoken word of God. But we don't have recorded time when God was encountering men. We don't have history. You can read the Maccabees. You can read about a lot of history and other things that were going on. But when we look at this, you have to see with Israel specifically, there's 400 years of no open vision, as the scripture says. So what they had they somehow lost. And for 400 years, they continue doing what they had been doing with no answer and direct connection. 
They keep going back to their temple. They keep going back to their service. They keep going back to their priestly duties. They keep going back to their religious practices. They keep practicing what they had before. But we don't see where a prophet's showing up. Like in the Old Testament, prophesying to them and telling them to do this or that or the other. They're just going through the motion and God is not responding. Okay, you want to talk about you've been in this situation six years or you've been in this situation 30 years and you're 30 or you're 60 or you're 80 or you're 15. And I've been facing this for six months. Face 400 years with no change. 400 years with no dream, no, ooh, I just felt the Holy Ghost. No, was that God? Did you hear the story? Did you hear about the revival that happened? 400 years of nothing. Talk about depressed. Talk about anxiety. They threw, he, he threw his staff down and turned into a serpent? Really? That really happened? Yeah, why doesn't anything happen like that anymore? Imagine the stories. You mean they lived 40 years in a wilderness and their clothes in that dry and arid place? Their clothes did not rot on their body. What? They, 400 years and nothing happening. Nothing changing. And they're only talking about the past. Depression? Anxiety? Stress? Overwhelming them? And then all of a sudden there's a, there's a guy and he's before doing what he's supposed to do. He's there for, it's his lot. He has incense. He's burning incense in the tabernacle. Here they are. This whole thing is going forward. And an angel, boom! 400 years of nothing. And then all of a sudden, an angel. And Zechariah. I just want to tell you, um, things are about to change for you. Um, you're going to be a dad. What? Yeah. You're going to be a dad. Elizabeth's going to give birth. Huh? Wait, wait. We didn't even know you existed, much less that you would just show up. We've been doing all this depressed, full of anxiety, thinking something, well, it's never going to change. And I'm going to be a dad. Yeah, you're going to name him John. What? Yeah. No, you, you got the wrong guy. I'm old. She's aged. This isn't going to happen. Okay, here's the proof. You're not going to be able to speak until it comes to forth. Comes forth. Yep, told you. It's over for you, bud. You should have believed me when I first started saying it. Yeah. Go tell them that. <laughs> See you in ten months. For all of you that think it's nine, it's not. It's ten. Chris, learn this. You're about to get married. It's not nine. If you think it happens in nine, you've you got another thing coming. It's ten full. The last four drove me crazy because I was banking on nine and end up being ten. I'm like, wow, where did I go wrong? So here it is. 
All these months later, he's been trying to tell everybody. They think he's crazy because for 400 years, nothing's happened there. There's been no Shekinah. There's been no visitation. There's been no fire. There's been no nothing, nothing. Just motions, depression, anxiety, not going to change. And he said, I stopped. I mean, he's good. And, and finally, the baby's born. And there comes the time of circumcision and time to name the baby. And they say, what are you going to name him? Junior. Zachariah Junior. Yes, it's a family name. This is awesome. You waited all these years. He's like, like no, there's something special about having that name. His name shall be John. Boom, his mouth open. Change. Change. Now think about this. That was the introduction. That was the introduction of the potential and possibility that tomorrow could be different than today. And you have a few months later, a young girl who gets the same type of visitation. And so you have extreme ends of the spectrum. You have someone who's never known a man, and you have an aged woman well past the years of bearing, and both of them are expecting at the same time. And they're both expecting babies. When God gets ready to change something, He's going to birth something new. You're not going to have to go get something that's already been rehashed and reused and over. It's something birthed in you that's brand new. And you have this John and Jesus that are birthed. And they're just a few months apart. And they launch in their older years, if you will, or at least developed years. They launch into ministry. And one is an absolute wild man coming out of the wilderness with a fur coat on and crazy hair eating wild locusts and honey and he's telling all the religious uh, people of the day and the controllers of the hour he's saying you are full of your whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones get off of that hill and get in this water I need to baptize you he is challenging the mindset of the day not just the people of the day he's challenging the mindset of the day that's saying it's always been been this way. It'll always be this way. Nothing new is ever going to happen. It'll never change. And he's saying to them, change has come. And Jesus is right on his heels in ministry. And John, the crowds are gathering. The crowds are going wherever he ends up. And they're hearing him teach. Jesus launches into ministry. And the crowds are following him. Why? Because it's showing the level of that day where people were. That they were ready for something to change. They were overwhelmed. They were full of anxiety. They were depressed. It had been so long. It was the same stuff. And they needed something different. So they would go to a wilderness. They'd sit for days. They would literally travel because they were dying for change. Something to break them out of where they were. So they come and they try to pit the two of them against each other. Do you know he's got a bigger crowd? Do you know his ministry is doing more? Do you know that? And, and, and finally, the, the road ends for John. John ends up at that place where his head is taken from his shoulders. And Jesus now, all of the attention is turned to Him, okay? This is going to surprise you. All of the attention is turned to Jesus now. 
And we're only 33 years, 33 and a half years or so into this long, drawn out centuries of no change. And now here's this change agent. He's changing people's lives. He's changing people's situation. And they're drawn to him. If they're hungry, he changes it and feeds them. If they're sick, he changes it and heals them. If they're dead, he changes it and raises them to life again. He is literally showing and demonstrating change before them. One step after another. And the crowds are gathering and following him. Trying to wrap their head around this. And now they're... Regaining hope. And so, this is what we find in Mark 10. And they brought the colt to Jesus. I love it. And cast their garments on him. And he set upon him. And many spread their garments in the way. And others cut down branches off the trees and strode them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. I, I, I thought about this simply because today is Palm Sunday. And this is what transpired 2,000 years ago on Palm Sunday. I preach from this many different angles explanations of everything from what the celebration was to what the palm branches meant to what and and I don't know that I'll live long enough to preach through it all again but I do know this I've never seen it exactly like I see it this year what I see this year is the response of the people the response of the people in my opinion came from one thing. Are you ready? This is the reason they cut branches down. This is the reason they cast their coats in the way. This is the reason they lift their voices and cried out to him. Because they saw hope. They saw hope. Here's the king. Here's the leader. Here's the change maker. Let's do whatever we can do to make sure we don't stay in the place that we've been in. So I'm not going to sit on the sideline. I'm not going to close myself off in a room somewhere. I'm not going to sit in the dark and isolate. But I'm going to get in the street and say, there's the answer to everything that I need. I see hope in my tomorrow. I see hope in my future. I see hope as this nation becoming once again a people that it should be. I see once again that this is the one that could sit on the throne. This is the one who could be a king, a governor, one in charge, a leader, one that could rise up among us and be a political leader that could put us back in a place where we haven't been for centuries. They went to such a display because they had hope. Now, here is the thing that amazes me. The Bible said that he entered into Jerusalem. Look at the the, the portion of that last verse that I read. He entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. 
Jerusalem represented everything that was religious. It was the center of all of their uh, connectivity to God. Everything that they knew or understood, it was their capital, it was their identity, it was everything that they revolved around. And the Bible said that the one offering hope came right to that center place. But not only did he come there, he came into the temple. Now we know today, when we start studying temple stuff as born again Christians, We understand we're talking about our own bodies. We're not just talking about a physical place in another part of the world, but we're talking about things where the Bible said, don't you know that your body, it is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. So when I began to read on Palm Sunday that he entered into Jerusalem and he entered into the temple, it lets me know that the center of who I am, my identity and everything that connects me with God and everything that I am or hope to be and this container of that he won't stay distant he'll come to where I am he'll move into my life he'll show up in my situation hope is what I've come to preach to you today and the response of hope is you don't sit silent the response of hope is you don't just go home and fold your hands but you throw garments and you cut down branches and you lift your voice I can tell real quickly when I deal with people if they have hope or not. If they have no hope, then there's no praise on their lips. There's no action toward Him in worship. There's isolation. Well, people don't understand. I just can't get around those groups. I can't go to that. I can't be a part of that. I know what it is. You have no hope. You think your situation will never change. You think you're unique and nobody's ever faced one thing that you're going through. But can pastor tell you today, when I see people with open mouths and lifted hands and connected with the people of God, those are people that say, I have hope no matter what I'm going through right now. That tomorrow can change. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. He will come right to his temple. He will show up right in the center of who I am. I've got to understand that God is not looking for people to be silent. And if you have hope, then you express that hope. If you have hope, you show that hope. If you have hope, you engage. You don't isolate. You don't get by yourself. You don't go try to face it on your own. The Bible said it's not good for you to be alone. So hope, the response of hope in your life is that people can't get you quiet. People can't shut you down. People can't say, here's a man sitting beside the road that is blind and the beggars are saying, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. You're scaring people off. And Barnabas says, hold on, let me tell you something. Hope's about to pass this way. Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. Quiet down, Barnabas. No, I have hope that he can change it. I have hope that he can fix it. I have hope that he can make a difference in my life. They tell him, Zacchaeus, you'll never get his attention. Yo, you don't understand. I'll climb a tree if I have to climb a tree because I have hope. That man's coming to my house today. People that want change in their life never experience change in silence. They never experience change in inactivity. They never experience change just expecting it to happen. People that experience change 
get up and do something about their situation. They start praising. They start worshiping. They start hollering. They start dancing. They start engaging because they know there's my hope. There's my hope. There's my hope. He's not going to pass by here without me getting his attention. He's not going to pass by here. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop because I can preach all day. If you think about a man laying by a pool, he is years, decades in his dilemma. And the Bible said there were halt and lame and withered and people laying all around those porches and pools. And Jesus walks in and speaks to one man in a multitude of needs. And changes the one man's situation. And turns around and walks out. I often have wondered, why didn't somebody else laying there say, Hey, if you're healing, don't pass me by. If you're here to do something... Hey, I'm right over here. I've been laying here for years. I've been depressed for decades. I've been sick for weeks. I'm tired of this, and I see hope in you. So come over here, Jesus. Come over here, Jesus. Don't pass me by. I preached in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of services where the presence of the Lord is real and people sat quiet and people sat still and people just sat disconnected. But I've been in others where somebody says, not not tonight, I'm getting my miracle. There's hope in this house. There's hope in this place. I feel hope in here. I've been sick long enough. I've been depressed long enough. I've been overrun with anxiety long enough. I've been heavy hearted long enough. Not tonight, I'm going to get my victory. Not tonight, I'm coming out of this situation. Not I, No, 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 no more of this. I'm ready for a change in my life. That's what hunger looks like. That's what deliverance looks like. That's what hope looks like. When you're depressed and you're tired of being depressed, you start crying out for the one who can change the situation. This is what hope looks like. This is what hope looks like. I'm not going to be the same. I'm not going home the same. I'm tired of having anxiety. I'm tired of panic attacks. I'm tired of loneliness. I'm tired of depression. I'm tired of sickness. I'm ready for change in my life. If you want it, He's here today. If you want it, He's here today. If you want it, he's here today. They lined the streets. They took their coats off. They cut down branches. They began to cry out, I'm ready today. I'm ready. There he is. There's my king. There's my answer. There's my healer. There's my provider. There's my way maker. There's the one that can heal my broken heart. There's the one that can fix my situation. Come on, when he steps in, you will not have to depend on other things. When he steps in, you won't have to face one more day like it's been. You can change and look like David said, henceforth and forever. Our hope is in the Lord. Hallelujah. From this day forward and ongoing, my hope is in the Lord. It's not in people. It's not in man. It's not in money. It's not in doctors. It's not in friends. It's not in entertainment. It's in him because he is the Lord. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. 
He is the Lord. It's time to hope again, sir. It's time to hope again, ma'am. It's time to get your hope back. God can fix it. God can change it. God can work in it. God can take care of it. He can do it. He can do it. He can do it. If you have hope today in Him, I want you to get out from where you are. Find your way to this front. I can't praise Him into your life. I can't commit Him into your life. If you want Him there, you have to do that. If you want Him there, you have to take that step. If you want Him there, you have to say, I'll push the plate back. I'll lift my hand again. I'll shout again. I'll cry out again. I'll worship again. I'll do it again. Because I'm no longer wanting to confront and deal with all of this hopelessness that I find. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's worship Him together.